0: You're listening to the one podcast network. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. The year was 2010, and the movie came out about a supervillain who ended up changing his ways after finding out how great life was. I'm of course talking about Megamind, but there was another movie that also came out (laughs) that same year called Despicable Me that unleashed upon the world... The Minions. Despicable Me then became the most famous of the two, which is unfortunate in some ways. I actually do like Despicable Me one, but as you know, neither here nor there. Uh, After a series of sequels, as well as a prequel called just Minions that came out some time ago about the Minions' first supervillain they ever worked with, uh, who was played by Sandra Bullock, called Scarlet Overkill. The ending of that film showed that Gru defeats her with like a freeze ray, and then they follow him from there. And that's kind of where the movie sort of starts almost. But before we get to that, uh, I'm Mike the spider mite and I have here
1: Kim Sarah Jane I hey, know
0: and we are reviewing Minions The Rise of Gru, uh, which is the sequel to the prequel. I said that out loud in the theater, and I cringed for a second. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we all did.
0: That's the name of the game lately? With the Kenobis.
2: Top Guns.
0: The Mandalorians in your light years. This is the one that has been doing fairly well for the most part. But this movie specifically takes place in the 1970s. It takes place again like, after that, the events of the first one. Gru is now 12, or at least according to him, so he's like, 11, 11 and a half. 11 and three quarters. 11 yes. three quarters, yes him and the minions have are now like together and he's trying to figure out to become a supervillain. and there's this group called the vicious six who are the biggest bad villain team on the planet that's run by um his favorite supervillain named white knuckle the rest of the team consists of a series of different people who are all voiced by incredibly famous people the white knuckle for instance is voiced by alan arkin who is having a lot of fun with this role his second in command i, I guess is uh bell bottom played and piensen am i saying that right Taraji well, P. Henson, Taraji you were Henson. very close. I was really close. John Claude, who I should have realized was played by John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> that was pretty obvious. Nunchuck was played by Lucy Lawless. It's a uh, a nun that is crazy as shit. Dolph Lundgren plays a roller skitter known as Vengeance uh, with an S. And Danny Trejo plays Stronghood. I don't even think he talks, to be honest. I don't remember him talking at all. None of them um, really
2: talk except mm. for Taraji P. Hansen's character. There's
0: a lot of yeah. shouting. There's a lot of screaming. I think Jean-Claude had the most lines of the rest of the team. Alan Arkin is betrayed. This is all in the first five minutes, so this isn't like 100% a spoiler. Gru is then brought in to try out for the Vicious Six, and then some stuff happens that causes him to get kidnapped, and the minions have to save him. That's, for the most part, the main plot. I don't want to go too much further, because then we're going into full spoiler territory at that point.
2: Yes. Yeah, so the fun part of this movie is it's set in the 70s, so a lot of the costumes, you're seeing bell-bottoms, you're seeing afros, you're getting a lot of like groovy talk from the main villains, which is a lot so much. Taraji P. Henson... (laughs) eats up her role. (laughs) She She steals the show for me. If anyone has ever seen Undercover Brother, imagine the lead female character of that movie being a villain in this movie. That's literally what she's playing. That's
0: a really good way of describing that character. As
2: soon as I saw her, my first thought was Undercover Brother. And immediately I was really, really uh, interested in that character.
0: I was talking to Sarah about this as soon as the movie was done, that it uses its time frame really well with its soundtrack probably the most out of everything.
1: Yeah, that was my favorite part of the movie, actually, was the soundtrack. I mean, it has, like, all the 70s hits in there that you can imagine. And which, they use them really well.
0: Yeah, which is really great after what happened with Wonder Woman 84, where it was like, this is the 80s, and there's, like, no song at all to tell you what the time <laughs> frame is for that at all. So it was, it's always nice when it's used, but not only used, but used in a really fun way. It could have been, like, the way Suicide Squad 1 was, you know what I'm talking about? Where they just, like, were throwing oh God, yeah. songs yeah. At, at you and being like, this is a song, you like that, right? It's like, well, it doesn't really fit what's going on. <laughs> right. Yeah, but luckily this movie plays with a lot more this movie being a prequel I was surprised that I still found myself worried what was gonna happen to the characters Aww. in some small ways and
2: I think we should point out that Mike is the only one who's seen all of the Minions movies me and Sarah Jane this was our first movie it was I, yeah I didn't know how it would turn out because it's a prequel to a sequel um, I didn't see the previous films but I felt like I left the movie knowing all the characters getting a really great understanding for them and actually enjoying myself surprisingly I think we
1: both Both signed up just so Spider Mike could go and see this one and review it, and so you know this one's for you.
0: Here's the fun thing: I, it's 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 a small secret, I guess, because I don't talk about the movies that often. I actually do really like the Despicable Me series, but mostly it came down to Gru and his the rest of his family. It wasn't more the Minions that made me like really like them, which is why I was really glad this movie did more with Gru than I thought it was going to do. Because when the trailers came out for this, I was like, oh, I'm excited because it's a Gru origin story which could be a lot of fun, but then the trailer's like, and then he gets kidnapped, I'm like, ah, oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they did a complete 180 that I just caught me off guard, that it it's not really about that after a while, and it's this great relationship story about him and another character, as well as his relationship with the Minions. At the end of the last movie, they d- he doesn't just hire them right away. Like, they just call a mini-boss and they start chasing him down. <laughs> and then the movie explains why they work together. But it makes sense, like, as to why he is the way he is towards them the further it goes on.
2: It was pretty fun watching a cute villain origin story. I feel like you don't see that often. So the movie had a lot of sentimental moments with young Gru bonding with an older villain as, like, a mentor. And they would often come together... And have these really emotional moments while also talking about how they can't wait to do crime and be (laughs) bad guys. And that was just really funny. But to kind of go off of what Mike was saying as far as how much Gru was in the movie, I felt Gru and the minions had equal screen time. Because as much as Gru had his whole, like, villain arc, growing into a villain, the minions were becoming better henchmen for him. That was kind of their tale throughout this. So they had to go rescue him, and throughout that, they meet some interesting characters, such as Michelle Yeoh, who, believe it or not, guys, was playing... A martial arts master. Yes. She plays a martial (laughs) arts master,
0: Master Chow, which is a very on the nose (laughs) kind of name. But uh she's great. She's a lot she's a lot of fun. Every actor eats up what they're given and it sells the movie in a way that like a lot of other movies that are like feel like cash grabs will do, they'll make it and then the actors are just sort of like saying their lines and nothing's really happening. Like, for instance, Julie Andrews comes back as Gru's mother, and she's just as, like, fucking disappointed with her son the (laughs) way she is in the first Despicable Me. Like, it works so well because you're just like, yeah, that's that character. Like, there's a a young Nefario uh, Russell Brand plays him throughout the entire thing. Even his lines. He only has, like, a few lines, but he eats eats up what he gets. This movie's also full of, like, references to the first movie. There's a a group of crocodiles that show up, and it's heavily implied to the exact same crocodiles that fuck with grew in the first movie which i thought was fucking amazing i was like i was like what the fuck like you're just referencing shit and only like you have to really be paying attention to some of them but some of them are super obvious so it's not too insane but i think this is probably one of the better prequels i've seen in a while which is fascinating to me that it's a despicable <laughs> movie, fucking prequel sarah what do you what do you think about this whole thing because like, you and kim have never seen any of the others
1: What i told my son who i invited to come with me he's 11 and he's like uh no and so he went and saw Lightyear, but he said, "I'm so sorry you're going to see this tonight." And I'm like, "What? I didn't hate it. I kind of don't really enjoy the animation style. Does the same illumination do they do the sing movies?"
0: Illumination, yeah, I think they do the sing films. Uh they do like only like a handful of franchises. They're currently working on the Super Mario Brothers movie,
2: at least the last thing I remember (laughs) them hearing. So I had that same thought going into the movie that I didn't enjoy the character animation. It grew on me, I will say that. Grew. I know, grew. (laughs) um, I thought the backgrounds were done incredibly well. Yeah, those were beautiful. um, There's a specific scene where the characters are in a city, they're in San Francisco, and seeing the bridge and seeing a couple of the events that happen in that scene All beautiful, so I thought they did a great job doing the animation for the backgrounds, especially. The characters, they were a little bit not my personal preference, but I they grew on me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they did the the Sing films and the Secret Life of Pets. Those are their only other franchises, which explains why Despicable Me gets as much stuff as it does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't enjoy the animation style that much. I didn't really laugh out loud. I was more surprised, and I chuckled a couple of times at, I guess, the Needle Drops. And the songs and the way they were using them, I'm like, oh, come on. Because I would never have imagined that they would use like the Rolling Stones at the end. That
0: was surprising. In the end
1: scene, I was like, "What?" I think so, it helps
0: that the uh, the Minions have their own weird language that's like a mixture of Spanish and like a bunch of random and, nonsense and
1: French. By halfway through the movie, I was like, "Okay, I actually know what they're saying." Am I weird?
0: Yeah, the guy just made up the language on the spot when it first they first made the first movie, and it just stuck. There used to be three voice actors for the, all the Minions. A uh, Jermaine Clement did one specific one named Jerry i think is the tall one but then after the first one he stopped doing it and then after the second one the second guy stopped doing the other ones so now it's just one guy
1: yeah i noticed that when i saw the end credits i was like wow all that from you know one guy because they don't all sound the same they all kind of have different voices
0: i think some of them like are slightly pitched in different ways but even then like they're so distinct Otto is one is like a bigger rounder one he's kind of annoying in the beginning where everybody's just like oh my god just shut the fuck up is that one of the braces (laughs) yeah he's one of the braces he's like super round yeah Uh, uh, Jerry, I think, is the tall one. Uh, there's Bob.
1: Baby, I think. Uh, yeah, he's with the baby. With different color eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, like,
0: Jerry's not in this one, if I remember correctly. It's, Kevin's the tall one. Stuart is the one that's kind of... I don't know. He's the wacky one, I guess, is a good way of putting it. They, again, they have a lot of fun with those characters. They use them in ways that they don't get on your nerves the way I thought they would. Just pick them with Me 3... They all got on my nerves. They were not well used like the way they were in this film or the last film. Yeah, I
2: completely agree. I mean, I wasn't laughing out loud at their antics, but I was definitely chuckling. And I thought a lot of their scenes were really adorable. They got into a lot of trouble along the way while they were learning to be better henchmen. And throughout all of their little cutaway scenes away from Gru, we learn more about each one of them. Mm -hmm. So me going into the movie not knowing anything about minions at all, literally I left and I was like, oh yeah, that's Bob. He's, you know, the little one and he has two different colored eyes and he knows how to use them. Yeah, so they were all really built out as characters,
0: and you mentioned earlier that they gave them all equal screen time, and that's really what makes it work for me. If it was only the minions, and like they showed Gru like every now and then, this movie would not work. And I think they knew that going in, but they used so many great musical cues from the original movie. Every bit of the music just sells every sequence. I couldn't help but love even that, and even like the stuff that happens in the the climax. Some of the stuff in the climax is in the trailer, but I'm still not going to spoil it. But it involves a fight sequence that I still enjoyed because it became more of an adventure film as it progressed than even I expected.
2: And I thought the finale had enough tension for a children's movie. I was a little bit on the edge of my seat. <laughs> there were a couple twists and turns that I wasn't expecting. Some elements that maybe were in previous films that I haven't seen, but they brought in more than just science. I'll put it like that. Yeah. And <laughs> that was a really um kind of a wild sequence just to watch. And it wasn't like a Marvel movie ending where it was just two people fighting. There were transformations. There were a lot of different elements. They're, they even brought in some Chinese Zodiac mm-hmm. kind of elements that I, I wasn't expecting at all. And I was really interested in seeing what they were would, would do with that.
1: That whole. I guess it was Chinese New Year's sequence mm-hmm. in San Francisco was really beautiful. The backgrounds and the fireworks and that was all was gorgeous.
0: This great moment where there's like a dragon that pops up in, in the parade itself that looks really cool and mm-hmm. really well animated. Oh man, they did a really good job like making this, this parade feel like something that would you could see in real life. Mm-hmm. Like they never go too far into some of the Chinese stuff in a way that would feel weird, if that's a good way of putting it. I think
2: like, it was just enough to like pique my interest. And if I was a child, like. What what were they doing there? What is a Zodiac? Let me look up some of this.
1: And it was really sweet because we were at a screening where there were a bunch of kids. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just a press screening. And the kids that were in there were really enjoying it. I could hear some of them cheering. They were clapping. At the end of the day, when it's this kind of movie, that's really what it's all about.
2: Did the evil nun stick out to y'all at all? I felt like every time she showed up, it was hilarious to me because I could not believe they had a... Evil religious figure in a children's movie who, every time she showed up, she was like, bless you or hallelujah or something. They like went all the way with the.
0: She stole every scene she's in. There's a moment exactly. where like a bunch of them jump in somewhere and then they leave and they all jump out and then she does this fucking uh, right? <laughs> hover out with like a hallelujah type <laughs> thing happening. I'm like, what the fuck was that? I
1: didn't laugh at that one and it did remind me of there were a lot of things in here like the Taraji B. Henson, she reminded me of like coffee or. Or a, a movie like that, like mm-hmm. Pam Greer. Like the nun, she reminded me of like a exploitation thing. So I was putting a different level on a lot of these characters that probably shouldn't be there. But, you know, because it was 70s also.
0: It played with that time frame with the yeah. way some of these characters were. Like a lot of them are either based on like a kind of a classic type archetype villain. A guy with a lobster hand is like a claw. That's a very classic type of villain. But then you get vengeance, which is that the roller guy. And that's like, well, that's very much like a roller 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 derby derby, absolutely or even like but even the way it was dressed was very much like roller rink kind of look too so it was a mixture of that stuff and it really really worked and even the prequel stuff with the characters that show up they're never forced in, in a way that makes them feel like they shouldn't be there like Steve Coogan, for instance, comes back. One of the characters of the Anti-Villain League, and he shows up in the second movie. So I was worried that like these characters would be shoehorned in, but they're all they're all very much part of the plot in the way they should be to make this work.
2: I will say the only character I think was wasted was Danny Trejo. I can't remember one line he said throughout the whole movie. Nope. Uh -uh.
0: i didn't even know he had lines like i'm looking at the character he was he played stronghold he's the guy with the big metal hands i think he mostly yelled and said a couple things here and there that involve driving if i remember correctly at one point but that's the thing i don't remember him having that many lines
2: and we just saw this movie so the fact that i can't remember anything he did in this movie is pretty bad (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's a little strange, but I'm glad they didn't try adding too many references. Pop culture references in general. That was one of the issues a lot of people have with some of the minions in general. Or at least the way Illumination movies tend to be. Let's do a pop song that's like based on this thing. Since this is based in a specific year, that you can get past that very easily. Who wants to do final thoughts first on this?
1: I guess I can. You know, this is my first experience with the minions. I didn't hate it, so you know, I consider that a win for me. It even wasn't bad. Again, the soundtrack is my favorite. And, you know, there are a lot of 70s songs, but it's not necessarily songs that you would think, oh God, it's probably that typical 70s soundtrack because it's not. You know, they threw in the Linda Ronstadt in there and I'm like, what? Not super popular 70s songs in there. So it's good. I would actually buy this soundtrack. That's a well, solid no, I would but the cast was really stacked. Again, Taraji B. Henson was great, and she was, like, you know, loving every second of it. It was fun to hear Julie Andrews, like, not be Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins <laughs> or Sound of Music. I-, I liked hearing her not be nice. That was her- nice.
0: His mom character is great in all those films, by the way. I, I highly recommend watching at least the first one, because there's a lot of flashbacks to Gru growing up. They show some of it here where he's just like, I want to be the best, and she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> like she's constantly putting his ass down and, right. the, and but th- that's why she's so funny
1: again i didn't really like the animation style the backgrounds were great i'm gonna give this six pet rocks which reminded me of michelle yo and everything everywhere all at once shit
0: i didn't even think about that <laughs>
2: uh-huh i did i thought the whole sequence could but have easily been in that movie right kim i was really impressed because going into this knowing it's the fifth movie i was kind of expecting a money grab that's not what I got. If you told me this was the first in a series, I would believe you because not only were the characters, the voice actors having a great time, the ones who spoke, not Danny Trejo, but everyone else, <laughs> yeah. they had a great time. I enjoyed uh, seeing all of their different personalities and watching a child strive to be a villain. That was really funny, super adorable to watch. The animation, even though I, didn- I went in not loving it, I grew to like it by the end, I'm not gonna lie. It, it totally grew on me. I actually do want to go home and watch some of the other ones, Wow! not just because of the animation and the fact that the series is still going so strong after five films, which to me is amazing.
0: Don't watch the third one, though. (laughs) It's the only one that I'll tell you don't fucking watch. Uh, Like, You can watch it, but get real drunk or high before you watch it. (laughs) I'm sure you'll enjoy it that way.
2: And we haven't even really spoken about Steve Carell. But he right. he is playing an 11-year-old kid, and I thought he did a killer job. I don't know if they did something to his voice to make him sound tiny, <laughs> uh, or if he just did it naturally. He's just that talented. I wouldn't be surprised. But I thought he played a child really, really well. And I would love to see who that child grows into, which is why I wanted to watch the rest of the movies. The Minions, they had sequences that... I would say are kind of random, but I've been told by Mike that that's kind of how the series is. Uh So yeah. even though they were random, they weren't so random that I w- I'm like, why was that in the movie? It was just random like, oh, I can't believe they got away with doing that. But watching them get away with it was part of the fun of the movie, part of getting to know the characters and how outlandish this world is. I guess I figured out partway through the movie that this movie had no rules. It kind of does whatever it wants to do. The minions aren't in a box. The rest of the people in the universe, they'll see them do whatever they're going to do and they're just okay with it. It's almost (laughs) like the whole universe is made up of New Yorkers where they've seen everything. (laughs) These little yellow things walking around don't bother them. The writing was even pretty solid, I felt. Honestly, the way they bounce back and forth between the main storyline with Gru and then the Minion storyline, they float nicely with each other. I never was bored. Granted, the movie was only 88 minutes long, but there was no point when I was like, oh, come on, let's get on with it. Yeah. It, it really flowed nicely. They kept action scenes throughout. Action or like comedy scenes. So it was it was a really nice flow. I think I'm just surprised at how much I like it, so I'm probably gonna go kinda high. But, uh, I'm gonna give it 6 out of 10 sentient Twinkies. That's pretty good.
0: <laughs> this is, uh, it was a really good time. I'm really glad with how it played out. Again, I was really worried, especially after watching Despicable Me 3 many, many years ago. For one of us, actually. You guys can find that review. I did it with Ian and Aaron. It was the first time I ever met Aaron, by the way. When we did that review, and we were just shitting on that movie for like 20 minutes. And they were shocked at how much I remembered of the film. <laughs> We progressed. You could watch Minions, Minions Two, Despicable Me One and Two, like all all as one, and it would work. And I think that's fascinating. Even with three, I guess, as messed up as I think three is, like, it's still part of its main plot. I'm always worried that this series is going to become the cash grab the movies aren't the cash grab they do the cash grab outside of the movies and honestly that's a good move like they, there's toys there's boomer memes involving <laughs> the minions like they've sold out but not in the way you expect them to and i think that's fascinating uh, this movie is a, a testament to how many ideas they still have for this franchise because there's some amazing sequences and some amazing like weird involvements of like weapons in ways that like you would not have thought of <laughs> kind of thing i can't recommend this movie enough if you l- like those movies or if you just want to take your kids to watch something and you, and you want to have fun with it there's a character that shows up midway as well played rizza who's just wholesome the whole movie is just wholesome at times yeah. and i can't help but be happy about that i will have to give this probably the highest of everybody seven out of ten references to the despicable me series because there are a lot of references (laughs) to the Despicable (laughs) Me series. I'm really glad that the Minions seem to not be going away anytime soon, and Steve Carell can still cash that check as many times as he can (laughs) possibly can. But who knows what will happen in the future? Who who knows if there will be a sequel to the main series, maybe another prequel? Maybe they'll get Jason Segel back. Who the fuck knows? Make sure if you see that boomer memes about the news with the Minions, just just know that's not them. (laughs) (laughs)
1: they
0: they don't agree with any of that shit so all they want to do is hug a fluffy animal and eat a banana